since, you know, we began a new book, the book of Colossians, kind of gave you some lead up into that about, you know, the letter that Paul had wrote to the church of Colossae, uh, and which is in Asia Minor, what we would consider modern-day Turkey. And uh, we said that uh, one of the things that he addressed in this letter, uh, and we'll see as we work our way through it, is that during this time there was a lot of different philosophies going around, and, and uh, because this was a large cosmopolitan city, people who traveled, you know, through, uh, throughout the eastern part of the world used to come through there. So they would always kind of leave some of the things that they believed in with them. And so therefore, a lot of different teachings got mixed up in this particular church. And so therefore, some of the things that he was addressing was, you know, uh, their worship, some had started believing, well, we worship angels, you know, and cer certain other mystical type things that comes out of religion, you know, no different than where some people believe you can look at your horoscope in the stars and and, and, and name uh, different gods after objects and, and things of that nature. So a lot of these things were starting to, to creep into the church. And, and what happens is, is that he go out of his way, and we're going to see tonight, we didn't get that last week, to make sure that we bring the focus back to Jesus Christ. You know, that at the end of the day, everything originates, starts, and, and, and dwells in him. And so that's what our saving grace is, is knowing that and believing that. And so last week in first part of this, you know, Paul gave his customary uh, introduction in verse 1 and 2. Won't go through all that again. And then we got into his prayer of thanksgiving while he was praying for this church in Colossae. And uh, we didn't get through all of his prayers. So we kind of left off uh, in about verse 9 or 10 there in the prayer. So what I'll do is go back and kind of recap the prayer. Then we'll get down to verse 9 or so where we want to, you know, dig in at. So I won't try to go back and repeat what we taught in verses 3 through, through 8. But we will uh, highlight some things that we said. He says, now, verse 3, we always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Last week we said prayer is important because, one, you can pray for people without even having to be there. You know, prayer is one of those things that can happen no matter where you are in the world. Last week we were talking about the football player who, you know, kind of fell dead on the field. Thank God he's up and doing well now. But then since that time, there are other things we ought to be praying for. One, I mean, they just had some serious tornadoes that hit in, in Alabama, Selma, and that region over there. A lot of things were destroyed. And so those are things that as believers, whenever our heart is moved, man, we've got to always have this attitude and this mind that we can take anything to God in prayer. And so it don't have to be something that, that is always formal. It just can be any time the Spirit of God moves on your heart to lift up something or someone in prayer. Then he said, for we have heard of your faith in Christ, Jesus, our, and your love for all the God's people. This is verse 4. Then he said, verse 5, which come from your confident hope that what God has reserved for you in heaven. He says, you have, you have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. In other words, ever since we got saved, we always have been told that there was a heaven somewhere, you know, and our, our hope and our expectation is that we didn't get lied to, you know, because if we got lied to, then we done gave up a whole lot to come into the church, and it ain't no heaven. And so I'm determined not to let anybody talk me out of heaven. I mean, they can come in all kind of messages, but I'm always believing heaven, because, you know, when the Lord took me out of the world, I, I was doing some stuff out there that I didn't think was all bad. But when someone told me that heaven was waiting on me, I said, okay, I'll give up some things. And so therefore, for you, we have to always have this expectation that, that what we have learned about the gospel 
is true. And expectation is a, it's like hope. It's always based on some future thing that we're believing for. Because if we could see heaven, we would need to hope for it. We hope for those things that we don't see. Anything you can put your hands on, touch, and buy with your money, you don't really need to hope and have a whole lot of faith for that. You just need a good job. Amen? So what I'm here to tell you today is that Christians, we got to start putting our faith and our hope in things we can't see and not putting our, wasting our faith and hope on things we can buy and sinners buy every day. Don't pray, don't fast, don't even come to church and they driving a better car than you do. Didn't even pray. So, so the fact that we got material things is not any testimony to what we believe about heaven. And that's important. So he says now, we have this expectation. Verse, five, verse 6, he says, this good news that came to you is going all over the world. In other words, the gospel is spread all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere and changing lives. We had a discussion last week about whether or not the gospel can change your lives. Well, I mean, we won't go back through that again. So we had a bigger discussion about how we hold to love folks now that we change. He said, now look, just that it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth of God's wonderful grace. He says, you learned about the good news from Epaphras. So we talked about being co-laborers in ministry. He was one of Paul's partners. He says, our beloved co-worker, he is Christ's faithful servant. We've been talking about that on Sunday. We said if you're a believer or you're a man or woman of God, you ought to be faithful. And if you're saved, you ought to be faithful to the Lord too. That means you remain loyal to him in spite of the opposition that come in, in your life. And he is helping us on your behalf. Then he says, he told us about your love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. And that's kind of where we got stuck right there. And we said, man, it takes the Holy Spirit to help folk love people that you don't like. People that done did you wrong. And I know Major, you know, went off last week and said, man, if someone, you know, killed one of my kids, I don't know. I just don't know how you would want me to love that person in some kind of way. And, you know, we had a big discussion about that. And, and God made it clear. This type of love is, is not easy. That's why Jesus was, you know, when he taught this commandment, he said, you know, I'm teaching you something that's new and it's greater, and you're not going to be able to do this without the Holy Spirit. But our example is not us, because we know that in this flesh, we probably won't love folk like Jesus loved them. But the example that he gave us is that even while he was being crucified on the cross, his words was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, now he was dying and had to ask the Father to forgive those who was putting him to death. And so therefore, we have to find in our heart to be able to get past some things that have happened to us that may have been in a negative way, even though we may never be friends with those people in that kind of way again, but you've got to figure out how you can forgive them so that you can move on. Because if you don't move on, you're going to be stuck in that place, and that's not a good place to be stuck in because unforgiveness can have all types of adverse impact on your body. Amen? So it's to your advantage to, to be able to love people in spite of people because you always remember that Jesus loved you in spite of you. You know, he didn't wait till we got it right. He said, well, the Bible says, why we were yet still sinners. While we were still cutting the food. You know, he didn't even make, he didn't even give us time to kind of straighten up a little bit. He died while we were still deep in the streets, man. You know, just doing what you do when you're in the streets. 
you know, don't y'all try to sit here and play me. Everybody had a street life. You wasn't, you wasn't always in church on a Wednesday night, so you had a life before Wednesday night. Amen? And so, therefore, what we have to do is remember that he did so much for us where we wasn't even, even worthy, but God saw fit to allow him to die for us. And so all this is what he was praying now. And so we come up to verse 9, kind of where we stopped last week. He says, now, let me slow this down. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Let me stop right there. He, he said, now, this is what I need to ask you. That complete knowledge is talking about growth. He's saying that after you come to the Lord, you don't want to be in the same place five years from now. Your knowledge of God ought to increase. You ought to know more about him than you did when you first got saved. So this is where we have to ask you the question, you know, how do you measure whether or not you've grown since you got baptized or since you confessed or whatever you did, if you didn't get baptized, you got sprinkled, whatever happened to you at your, what you consider your salvation experience. How do you measure your growth? How do, how do you feel like you, you are continuing to complete your knowledge of his will for your life? And, that, and, and he says that he gives you spiritual wisdom and understanding. I'll talk about that after y'all somebody answer me. You know, when he said, your knowledge. Just think about your life. Now, just don't worry about nobody else, the person sitting next to you, anything like that. It's all about you. If you say you have accepted Jesus Christ and your Lord and Savior, and, and the intent is for us to grow just like a baby grow and go through stages, how have you grown? How do you see your growth at this phase in your relationship with the Lord? You know, some of y'all have been saved for years. Some of you have been saved maybe for not as long as others. But at some, there ought to be a measurement that you can go by when someone asks you, how do you know you're growing in the Lord? It sounds good, but how do you know? Major, talk to me. Get a mic. I see you want to raise your hand. So anybody, your answer is your answer. The good thing about this part of this, can't nobody tell this part of your life but you. You're so, the only one so, know. So for me, I mean, it would, it would be, I can always say my actions, but for me, it's more so my reactions to, to things now. So in other words, before I would have acted out in a way that I wouldn't act out in now because I have uh, knowledge of the word. Okay. So, so were you a kind of guy who would, you know, go off on folks on, on, with a short fuse? So, so now your fuse is a little bit longer. You ain't totally delivered yet. You may go off a little bit, but it ain't going to be as quick as it used to be. But now, if you've been totally delivered, that means, hey, Pastor, you know, I can turn another cheek, baby. I, I'm there. I, I mean, I, I don't to the point where I can. Okay. I can turn the cheek to most things. Okay. Okay. That's growth. <laughs> that's growth. That's growth. Absolutely. That, 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 that's growth. Anybody else? Again, your answer is your answer. You know, and, 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 as, and as a testimony, especially when you're talking to others about the Lord, it's easier to start off talking about you than it is about him if you don't know much about him. Amen. All you should know is what, what he did for you until you start to grow, until you start to study, until you start to meditate on this word and allow, allow this word to, to, to rule your heart and be led by his spirit. Then that's when you start seeing progress and growth. It, it don't happen automatically. It just ain't going to happen. You have to put forth the effort to, to grow just like in school. You have to put forth the effort to matriculate through 
from kindergarten to elementary to junior high, high school. And at some point in time, if I was to ask an 11th grader, how have you grown from the time you was in kindergarten? He could probably tell me. About the level of math he's on now, the fact that he can probably read now. You know, he could probably tell me some evidence that I've grown. I'm not the same kid that started off singing A, B, C, D. Now I can make a complete sentence. I can write a paragraph. I have grown. So the same question. Since you got saved X number of years ago, how have you grown? Anybody else? Yes. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Brother Fedor. I missed you. Then Sister Vernita. Okay, like, like Brother Major. I was hard-headed and didn't want to listen to nobody. I thought I knew it all. Amen. And I was like that for a long time. <laughs> well, well, he said like you. He didn't say exactly like you. <laughs> Mine might have been a little bit deeper than Brother Major's. Been a little bit deeper. He was, he was, he was hard-headed and bad, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay, good, good. And so you can tell by the fact that certain things that, you know, you listen now. You, you, you're open to some things. When I, I was made to go to church, I didn't volunteer get up on a Sunday morning and say, I'm going to church. I was made to go to church, and as soon as church was over with, I was out of there. Amen. And now I, just, I look at everything totally different. Didn't nobody force me into church. I come to church on my own. Amen. And I learned more by paying attention. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Sister Vanita? With me, I was not so much of, of a hard hit. I used to, it used to be mean. When somebody would say something to me, I would take it on and it just, you know, I just, oh, handle it myself. I'm going to fix this. But now I rely on God to fix it. I go to God first to answer anything and any obstacles that I come across instead of reaction being a reactionary, I go to God and ask God how I'm supposed to handle it, to give me the strength to handle it, to go through it and, and deal with it instead of just somebody say something to me, instead of me just going off, I just say, God bless you. And I really get into exactly that myself. I get into what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? I'm not like um, getting into me because it's not about me. Amen. I've come to, to understand that it's not about me. It's about the, giving God the glory. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Joyce? Mine's a, mine's a little bit like Miss Renika, how I, th I know I have grown. And because I've gotten more into him, into me, that God has given me the discernment that I never paid attention to before because he always gives you the discernment of when people around you, who not to. And it, it used to be, I would always, it's kind of like I keep God to myself. I would never say anything. And, I always, and now I got where I, I sing and I just talk about God all the time. And I didn't used to do that before. Amen. Amen. Again, as we become more and more, we're going to see this in a minute, more and more familiar with him. That means we can talk about him more and more to others, right. you know, but you can't talk about something you don't know. Amen. You know, I could talk about football all day because I know football. I used Amen. to coach football, play football. So that's the conversation I could have. But now we got to be able to have that conversation about the gospel, Amen. about the good news of Jesus Christ, just like we have conversation over there. Yes, 
Hi, Pastor. Um, I measure my growth by my patience. Now, okay, I did <laughs> not have a lot of patience. And it's, um, it amazed me because I, had, I have patience on my job. And a lot of that is you're forced to. You have to listen for me to, I always say, you know, help me to help you. So that's where a lot of my patience is at work. But outside of work, people, and I mean family too, I, I just don't have the patience. <laughs> well, you and, and I have, I measure my growth now because I have, sometimes I had to be set down. You know, God was like, yeah, you gonna have patience. I've gone through some trials in life that made me, forced me to have be patient now. Amen. So um, I measure my growth by that. Okay, good. So, so now this is what he says in verse 9. I'm just going to start back in half it. He says, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will. In other words, we, we want to know what God's will is for our lives. And his will is found in his word, but then you get his will when you come and study his word. You get his will when you're in prayer. You know, God reveals himself to us in different ways, especially when we are led by his spirit. He says, we want you to have complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, notice he didn't say just wisdom. That makes me believe that that should be some worldly wisdom out there. And so he, he put this qualifier. He said, I want you to have spiritual Because you came to me with worldly wisdom. Some of y'all were streetwise. Don't try to play me. You know, some of y'all, you know, you were streetwise. You know how to, you know how to hustle. You know how to play the game. You were streetwise. And what happens is, when we get saved, we bring that same mentality into the church. Amen. That's why the first thing the Bible wants us to do, as God asks us to do, is, hey, you know, you got to transform your mind. You got to renew your mind, change the way you think, because if not, you'll bring that street wisdom into the kingdom of God. And so he's saying, now, I want you to have, give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Understand is saying there are a lot of people who come to church, but they don't comprehend what they're being taught. They don't understand it. So if you don't understand the word of God, there's no way you're going to apply the word of God. Amen. It's not going to be relevant to you. So therefore, that's why we have to use examples, practical analogies, and try to get you to talk about the word of God so you can kind of feel where you are in it. Because you've got to get comfortable with the word of God. I mean, that is our blueprint. Our blueprint of how we should live, act, all the things we do is in the word of God. And so therefore, we have to have an understanding of that. And then that's why when you go to church, I tell you, some of the preaching ought to be teaching you something. Amen. You shouldn't just come to church and shout all the time and ain't learning nothing. You got to learn something. Because right. I can get you to shout with nothing but a drummer up there and an organ player. You know, we'd be tear this house up with the right keyboard, get up there, keyboarders get up there hit the right note, it just takes you back how we used to tear it up when we was in the street. So, so music can move you. Amen. But because you're being mu moved by music, don't mean you understand what is being taught to you from the word of God. So, so, so it's important that when you come to church, man, you ought to want to get an understanding. The Bible says all you'll get, man, get an understanding. Amen. Try to understand God's word. And I tell people all the time, come to listen to understand and not argue with God. Sometimes we come and listen to refute the word. Instead of just saying, okay, God speaks to my heart and let me receive this, now I want to argue with it. And now that the internet is out there live and well, man, you can find arguments about everything now. Yes, and that's why I tell Christians, man, you got to be careful out there. Because those people are putting stuff out there unfiltered, unchecked, cross-reference or anything, 
They're just sitting in a hole, some of them. Now, some people put some good stuff out there. You've got to be able to discern, but that's where spiritual wisdom come in at. So when you go out on the Internet and we read somebody's blog, post, or whatever, you're going to have to be able to discern what you read. And find out that, okay, yeah, I hear that, but that don't line up with the Word of God because now i got a better understanding of God's Word. Because if not, it's easy to be duped and manipulated by folk online. Just ask, your, just ask some of your partners who got duped out that day. ChristianDayton.com. You better check them out. Oh, I, ain't, I ain't going for the picture I see right here. You know, we're going to meet at the Trailaway bus station, the Greyhound somewhere. We're going to see what, we're going to see the picture and everything like Because, you know, there are people taking advantage of that under the author of a Christian dating dot. And some Christian going there blind, oh, I'm going to find Mr. Or Miss Boaz or whatever his name is, and then don't know that. You're just getting played. So that's why you got to have discernment. He says that I'm praying that you get spiritual wisdom. And the Bible lets us know that if we want wisdom, but we lack it, we need to ask. Because he's willing to give you what you ask for. Amen. James said we can ask for wisdom because it comes from above. Wisdom is just the proper application of knowledge. There are a lot of people who have knowledge, but they're not necessarily wise. Amen. There are policemen out there, and I use this example all the time, who are putting people in jail, and they're breaking the very same laws they put people in jail for. The guy that stopped you from speeding, he probably speed. You know, the guy that popped you for some weed, he probably smoking some weed too. So, so he got knowledge of the law, but he's not applying it wisely because he's breaking the same law that he's supposed to be following. And he put you in jail for it. So, so what I'm trying to tell you, there are a lot of people who have knowledge, but they don't always have the proper application of that knowledge where, it's where, where wisdom kick in. And that's why it's important for us to be discerning and ask God to give us wisdom, man. Because when you got wisdom, you're going to think some things through. You're going to have sound judgment. You ain't going to just haul off and believe everything you hear. You're going you're gonna to ponder. You're going to meditate on it. You're going to think about it. And you know, sometimes <laughs> when we were in the world, man, we had sayings that now that I'm older, we weren't too far. Because we used to say, man, we got that sense you came up. We got that sixth sense. We used to say, that's definitely in the hood when I was a little boy. We got that sixth sense. And I said, well, what is that? I'm the big boy talking about it. Man, that's common sense. Some things, when you just look at it, it don't even pass the common sense test. You don't even need to be too spiritual. That just don't make common. And so that's why he says, look, man, I want you to get an understanding so that you'll be able to apply the things that you've learned. Let's go to verse 10. He says, now look, then if you get this understanding, if you get spiritual wisdom, if you do those things, if you continue to grow in the knowledge, then the way you live, somebody say the way you live, live. will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit all the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Amen. So he's saying, when I get this wisdom, when I get this understanding, I get this, this knowledge of Jesus and continue to grow, then I, it'll change my lifestyle. That's, right. That's what it's supposed to do. 
coming to church is supposed to change our lifestyle. Getting into the body of Christ, accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord, Lord and Savior, is supposed to change your lifestyle. You're not supposed to be the same, but somehow we want to come and we want to stay the exact same. Now, some things are going to take a while to get out of your life. If you've got some, some habits, some cravings, some stuff like that, it's going to take a minute. But you still got to believe he wants you to change. I mean, if he wants us to stay the same, why send Jesus? Let's let us continue to do what we're doing. And see, nowadays that change message ain't working with people. Because the world is telling you, hey, man, you don't even, look, you don't even need to go to church no more. Don't even go to brick and mortar. You ain't got to feel it. Just click. Just sit at home and click, 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 and you just, just do you by yourself. Forget what the Bible said about fellowship and getting to know other people. You ain't going to grow sitting home by yourself. It's going to be hard. They find out that now with, with all those kids who got, had to go to school during COVID at home. Yes, sir. They find that some kid was severely impacted mm-hmm. because they just couldn't learn sitting at home. Especially when you, you, you know you're eating avocado toast and, and eggs in the middle of pastor's sermon. And you ain't learning nothing. You ain't, fooling, you ain't, you ain't paying no attention to me. You ain't paying no attention to the word. Now, if you're studious and you're sitting there, you know you done sanctified that time, and you know that, hey, service is finna start, I'm locked in, I'm, I'm here. I got you. But, man, you can't be running all over the house washing dishes and all that, talking about you learning God's word at home. Just like you talking about you working at home. <laughs> y'all better hope, y'all better hope Google don't reveal what y'all be doing at home when you're on somebody else's time. But anyway, that's important. So, but what he's trying to get us to see is say, man, there's got to be a way that we live after we acknowledge who Jesus is that will honor and please him. Your lives will produce every type of good fruit. Good fruit is just good deeds, good things that you'll do that you probably wouldn't have been doing for people or in situations in the past. So that's another way when you know that you've changed, when you start producing good deeds, you know? And so... Those are the things that, that we look for and you ought to look for in your life when you see yourself growing. He says, all the while, you will even grow and to learn to know. Somebody say to know. To know God better and better. There's a difference between knowing of God and knowing God. You can know of God because grandmama told you about it. And you brought up with the pictures of what you thought was Jesus in your house. I mean, you can know of. But to know him, you got to spend time with him. You don't just get to know him by just having some casual relationship with him. To know him, you spend time with him. That means you know him, he know you, and y'all, you know how he does things. And so that's where the level of learning that we want to get to the place where we know God better and better. We should know him better today than we did a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago. Especially if we have been studying God's word, We've been faithfully, you know, attending worship service, whether even if you're at home, if you faithfully attend the worship service at home, you know, doing your own time of reading and studying and praying, man, you ought to be knowing him better and better. And when you know him better and better, what happens is you start to get a, a picture in your mind how God operates in certain situations. Amen. So that when you read a post online, you can say, ah, that ain't how God operates. Because I know him better and better. Yes, but if you don't know him, whatever they post out there could sound like to you like, hey, yeah, God would do something like that. No, that ain't how you operate. Because we want to know him better and better. 
So look at this, what he said to us. Now he says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power. So you need the Holy Spirit. Somebody said this a few minutes ago. A few minutes ago. So you will have all the endurance and patience you need. <laughs> he letting us know you ain't going to make it if you ain't got no endurance. I mean, you got to endure. <laughs> what, what does endure mean? You got to have the power to last. And so that's why when we tell Christians, look, your Christian journey is not a sprint. This, this is a lifelong marathon. Amen. So therefore, if you've been training all your life just to sprint to church one Sunday, you ain't going to endure nothing. Because the minute somebody gets on your nerve at church, you're gone. You ain't ready for endurance. You're you looking for the road, the road, the 100-yard dash that you can run without even practicing. I ain't ran a 100-yard dash in, 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 in for competition in my life. But even with no practice, I can probably hit 20 seconds <laughs> with no practice. That's right. But after that, I'm done. <laughs> well, you know, I'm 68 years old. You know, 20 seconds may be pretty good for a guy like me. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but, but if, if, I, if I practice a little bit, I may be able to do it in 18 seconds. But I, I don't think I can hit 15 seconds under no kind of circumstance now. But my point is, if all I practice for is to run for 20 seconds, what's going to happen when I got to run a mile? So, so therefore, you got to practice for the long haul. Amen. This is not a short-term thing, and that's why he said you got to have endurance. Rob, go ahead. Yeah, Pastor, I like that. But in order to really get to endurance, because it's easy to say, right, you gotta, you gotta have endurance. But there's another thing that says, well, how do you get that endurance? I mean, for us, we gotta, we, we gotta have successes. Endurance comes when, you know, you'll, you'll have endurance if, you know, if I got on the treadmill yesterday and I did, you know, you know, like you said, two minutes, I feel pretty good. And then I go, you know what? Maybe next time when I go in there, I can do three minutes on the treadmill. Biblically, you need to see successes. So when God, when God gives you a small success, you got to build on that success. That's how you get the endurance because, you know, I, I've heard that all the time. They go, well, you, you got to have endurance. And I said, well, what if you don't know how to get the endurance? Amen. You, you have to stitch the endurance together. Every time God gives you a, a success or a small victory or, you know, and overcomes something, you got to log that, right? You got to log that and say, that God did something, right? And so I overcame that, and so I can overcome something else. That's how you can continue to build and get the endurance to take you all the way through. Amen. I mean, you're exactly right. In the runner's analogy, most milers don't start off running a mile the first time they start running. They have to build to that mile. And then once they get the mile, then they now I got to figure out how can I cut my time down. You know, and, and all that requires the training, the eating right, all those things come into play. So it's no different as Christians. It all comes in together when you got to pray. You need to fast every now and then. You need to study God's word. You need to meditate on his word. And then you're going to have to go through something. Because endurance comes when you start going through something which can prove how, just how strong you are. Then he says, on top of your endurance, Monique, that you talking about patience? 
You need to be here tonight. Just hear that. They praying for, he praying for them to have some patience too. Because <laughs> he said you're going to need it. Because he said if you don't have the patience and the endurance that you need, when you go through something, you, there's no way you're going to be filled with joy. Because the next thing is, may you be filled with joy. Always thanking the Father. Well, no, I ain't thanking him for this. I'm enduring something right now. No, I'm supposed to have joy. And so, so, so it takes endurance. It takes patience to get to that level where you can find joy. Now, joy is different from happiness. Things can make us happy. When things go right, it can make us happy. But you're going to have to find joy even when you don't get the things that you want. Because joy is something that's coming from deep down inside of you. And that's why the Bible lets us know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We get our strength from our joy, not from just being happy. Because happiness can be fleeing. It'll come one minute and be gone the next. But you're going to have to hold on to your joy, even when life deals you a tough hand. Sister Myrna, you got a mic? Mentally preparing yourself. You, you have to mentally prepare yourself in order to, get, to start to see yourself enduring stuff. Because physically, if you go out there and you're not mentally prepared, you're not going to do it, period. And I hear a lot of athletes say that, you know, and even playing football. You know, our coach used to always tell us, you know, you got to win the game in your mind before you win on your field. <laughs> You got to see yourself doing certain things in your head and get mentally tight so that you don't jump offside, so that you do the things that you need to do to, 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 to be a winner, to be successful. And you know, and the good thing about football is a good analogy. You know, we can have all that in the locker room until you get hit upside the head. That, that's when the endurance and, 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 and the patience come out. Because now am I going to recall all the stuff they taught me that I'm supposed to do? When somebody hit me upside the head, that hard. Uh, because they, to, they told us in practice, when you get hit upside the head, it's coming. You're going to get hit upside the head. Now, today, they done got soft. Football's soft now. When I played, you know, wasn't no such thing as no horse collar and clothes hanging and all that. We did that. We were taught that. You know, you, you, you just clothesline. We, we slapped heads. I mean, that we, we was taught that. You hit them in the ear hole. So you can lock them knees up so they fall. But nowadays, you can't hit them in the head like that. That's, and that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Safety protocols are good. And, but they didn't, that didn't work in my day. You know, my coach wouldn't hear my finger hurt to go see the trainer. No. You better get a piece of tape and put on to get back out there. I mean, we just had a different mindset back then. These kids today now, they, could, they couldn't play when I played football when most of y'all played. They couldn't play. They couldn't handle a coach getting up in the grill. Now today, coach got to be psychology. You know, you got to con them into wanting to do something. No, man, our coach, and we played. Look, endurance was when you miss a block, you go over and bend over. And he had a board that was going to paddle you behind right there for missing that block. He was telling you, don't miss that block again. You didn't want to get hit no more once or twice in practice. Now, today, that, could, that dog wouldn't hunt nowhere in football. They'll, they'll fire the coach. But, but just back.
back in the day. So I don't know how they motivate. Guys have to be self-motivated and not have a desire to want to be good and want to be, be, like Rob said, get those small victories. But nothing comes without putting in the work, man. You got, you got to put in the work. Even in the things of God, if you don't put in the work in the church to try to study, you're not going to grow. You're not going to be able to endure things, and you definitely won't get the patience that you need. Brother Anthony, go ahead. You know, it's in our statement of faith, Pastor, that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, but be not only hearers, but doers. And as soon as you put your hand to plow to do what we learn, that's when we realize that the word starts to work as we're working it, as we get into the situations of life that we find ourselves in. And we see that God is faithful. So it's like Rob saying, we take this step, and then we take that step because he takes us through things in life in order to show us, because we have to build faith. It just doesn't come, we're, we're super Christian all of a sudden. We go into the phone booth and we're able to leap tall buildings and cast out, you know. No, it's not like that because we've got to work to get to that point. Amen. Amen. And, and so that's why, that's why, you know, we go back, he talked about the patience and he wants you to have your, your endurance that you need. He says, may your joy be, may you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. So therefore, the inheritance that we look forward to is eternity. You know, the promise that, hey, that is a heaven. We're going to spend eternity somewhere, okay? But then he says, he expects us to live in the light. You know, people use light a lot of different ways. And even in the Bible, light sometimes people equate to knowledge. You know, you need people here say, man, you need to be enlightened. You know, and, and, and Jesus Christ said he is the light of the world. So therefore, what we do, we get, our, we get our light from him as the source. And so if we get the light from him, then he expects us to shine. And, and shining just means that now that I know God more and more and better and better, then now he expects for me to live in a way that I shine in darkness. That's right. We ought to stand out when we go, you know, in darkness. Yeah. Now, he, he didn't tell us to never to go back to where we came from. Going down, he just expects us to be able to go back to some of those places and not do what we did when we was there. That's right. And so, therefore, that's a growth process. I mean, no matter how you want to cut it or slice it, you know, like I say, I wasn't a, you know, I, I wasn't a, a big drinker, so drinking ain't my testimony. I tell people that all the time. So when somebody say, man, the Lord delivered me from drinking, well, if I said that, you know, I ain't been drunk one time in my life. You know, I can remember. So alcohol was just never me. You know what I mean? And so therefore, but, but, I, I, but, but I love the club. I mean, me and the club were, I mean, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I mean, when I, when I was, you know, they, they over at the club on Sunday, you know. And, 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 you know, I remember some guys that we closed the club, getting mad when they, when they told we had to leave at 1 o'clock. So I don't know how long they stay home now. They probably stay home all night. And, and, and when I was young and still dumb, about 79, somewhere around there, I got stationed in Greece. And them folks over there in the med party all night long. And I was just a baby Jesus. You know, I left home just now starting to get serious by Jesus, about seven, eight, seven, nine, you know. And I got over there and found out that I could party all night long. <laughs> Wasn't a lot of spiritual growth taking place that year. 
because I didn't have nobody encouraging me because everybody I knew and ran with, we did the same thing. So my growth was stunning for that one year when I was in Greece. I mean, I, I, that, that's a true story. But when I came back, got back, you know, with family, got to go into church every Sunday because I was at a remote, so it wasn't like we had a big church to better go to. We just did some Bible study in our room, but that wasn't enough because I didn't have people that would hold me accountable because everybody that I was friends with at the time, we were just thinking the same way. We'd go to Bible study, just say, okay, we went, build that square, but we're going down to Florida Square when we get down to Athens. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that we got to understand that once we get saved, God expects us to be light in darkness. He don't expect us to go back to where he delivered us from and turn off our light. He ain't trying to keep you from going back to some places. He just wants you to shine when you get there. Let somebody know who you are now. Let somebody know that there's a new you out there now. Some of the things I, I used to do, and don't get me wrong, I'm not so anti that you can't ever go out and have a good time. So I don't want to sound like that. But for me, it meant giving up the club because that was my weak spot. Like I said, alcohol wasn't me. You know, weed wasn't me. I, I wasn't a weed head. So I, that, that just wasn't me. Those type of things didn't move me. But hanging out was what I, so that was, that was my endurance test right there. How can I get delivered from this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night, and they don't do in Wednesday night happy hour? <laughs> I was embarrassed when that ladies' night thing didn't work too well for me, you know what I mean? <laughs> that, 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 that thing didn't work. Jeanette wasn't, lady, Jeanette wasn't playing that ladies' night thing, so no. But, but, but what I'm trying to say is that, man, when you go through these things and you start seeing yourself as light, you will carry yourself different. But if you don't see yourself as light, like God see you, then you're going to continue to live like you did before Jesus. But when you realize that, hey, man, God expects me to be a light, like a lighthouse that shines in the darkness, so that those people who are trying to find their way can see me and, and, and see my lifestyle, see the things that I'm doing, and then therefore now they may ask the question, hey, what changed you? You know, some of my friends, man, when the Lord took the club from me, they couldn't believe that. They, 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 they knew that there must be a Jesus somewhere. If you done gave up the club, when, it, when that testimony got out, hey, man, he gave up the club, and he done gave up gambling. He done gave up two things that he just loved doing. That was the testimony right there. Because now, the Lord know I had to be. I tell you this all the time. I got a daughter that lives in Vegas. Man, if I hadn't been delivered for gambling, And I go out there almost twice a year, so I'd be in trouble. But I can go out there and go to the Bellagio, to Flamingo, any of them, and walk through there and have no desire to gamble. That's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I know now I can afford to gamble. When I was doing it, I was doing it, couldn't have... So what I'm telling you, there is a God. And if we make ourselves available to him and his word, man, he'll change our lives. Amen. And so therefore, when those things start happening, then other people who are around us that knew us before Jesus will say, man, they got a reference point. Man, I remember how you were, man. Yeah, you done changed. I can see the change that done came over you. Brother Major, go ahead. 
So, Pastor, how would, how would you encourage uh, a baby Christian or even uh, younger people that first come to Christ? What, how would you encourage them to, you know, stay in a race? How would you tell them, hey, you know, because they still got one foot in and, and one foot out. How would you encourage them? First of all, I've learned now I will not disillusion them and make them think it's going to be easy. Because sometimes we think that one prayer, one little oil in on your head, and, you know, bring you up to the altar and all your problems going away. And, and, and that's just misleading people. So I would tell them, hey, look, just like a baby don't start off walking, you're going to have to crawl before you walk. Amen. Some things you've been doing, Jesus starting off 20, with me, he started off 28 years behind. I had a 28-year head start on him. And so therefore, for me to get rid of some of that stuff I had been doing, for the, even though I was dibbling and dabbling in the church, I wasn't serious about it. Like somebody said, I was going because people forced me to. And then, you know, when I came to the military, I stopped. So, so what I'm trying to, t I would tell them, hey, look, don't think this is going to be an overnight thing. This is an endurance race. You, you just need to run your race at your pace. Identify what your weaknesses are, the things that the Holy Spirit is revealing to you that you're doing that's not right. And then ask him to help you. For me, I did something simple. I, another one of my strong suits was cursing. You know, I, in the hood, we had to learn to curse just to be in the hood. That was part of our vernacular. You know, we, if we couldn't put a subject and verb together, we could string together a lot of curse words together to let you know how mad we were and what we were about to do to you. Right. You know what I mean? So, so I was good at that. And so when I joined the military, and the first thing I heard when I got off the bus was some guy cursing at me, I felt right at home. I said, man, this dude talking my language. He, we in the hood. He talked just like that. And so I didn't have no problem with my mouth. But I was, I was hypocritical because if I went to a softball game and looked around and saw a woman cursing, I would look at her and say, what in the world? Look at her. Who is she? Who she belongs to up there with all that cursing like that coming out of her mouth? Ladies ain't supposed to do that. That's what we do. But this is how I got delivered from cursing. I wrote a note in my Bible, and I put a date by it and said, Lord, I want you to help me to stop cursing. And I put that date in there and made a vow that I was going to stop. Two years later was when I was delivered. Took two years. Wasn't the easy thing just because I wrote it in the Bible. It didn't work. But then as I made a, 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 a conscious decision to stop, people started saying little things that at one time my spirit wouldn't even receive it. But now that I done put that in the book, my spirit can receive that. And I will never forget, I was sitting in my office in Ramstein Air Base, Germany, and, and I just went off on a cursing rampage after I had them put that in the Bible. And a guy who came up to me, a major, I'll never forget it, he didn't even know what was in my Bible. He just knew I went to church every now and then. He said to me, out of the same mouth that come blessings, curses shouldn't come out that same mouth. And when he said that, I knew I was done then. I said, hey, that, that statement in that Bible, I got to live up to that. And so after that, man, I made a conscious effort that I was going to stop. Coach, coach football over there for years and didn't curse out my players. And they couldn't understand how we could be losing like this and you ain't taking us in the locker room and curse us out. Amen. <laughs> and so what I'm trying to tell you is that when we put in the effort and we put, it, put in the work that we need to do, God will help us. Because it gives him glory when we live in the light. Pastor, I think it's mean is patience. There's two main things that I'm learning to be patient. The first thing like today, for example, 
when you're in a hurry, trying to get to work or whatever. Low cars always end up in front of me every time. And so by the car going so slow, I went around the car and I began to speed so that way I can get around them. And here come the cops. <laughs> Gotta give you some patience. They stopped me. <laughs> that woke me up today. You hear me? I learned to be patient today, I'm telling you, because I never been in trouble in my life. And I see that cop and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and so when he stopped me, he said, um, ma'am, he asked me, he said, you know you're speeding? I saw you go around the car. I said, yes, sir. You know, and I was answering every time he asked me a question. And at the end, I said, I'm sorry. So he said, well, go ahead, just don't speed again. I said, thank you, Jesus. Amen. And my other thing I have to learn to be patient, I don't like rude people. I said, God, help me. Please help me, God, because I'm the type of person, when somebody rude, I'll be like, you don't know me. Excuse me? You don't know me. And then I'll keep going, going, going with my mouth. But then I learned to be patient. You hear me? I learned. Even after today, when that cop stopped me, I learned to be patient. Amen. You know, and the Bible tells us that, you know, when we talk about certain attributes that God wants us to take on, he tells us sometimes you got to put on patience. In, in, in other words, if you don't put it on, it ain't going to just happen. Just like we have to put on clothes in the morning. They don't just jump on us. We have to put them on. So therefore, if I want to be patient, I got to make sure that I tell myself in the morning when I leave, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to put it on. So no matter what. And then now patient may reveal to me that, hey, I got to leave for work 15 minutes earlier. Because if I'm leaving at the nick of time, then now I'm going to come up on patience again because now I got 10 minutes and I'm 20 minutes away. And the old man going to say, you can make that up. <laughs> you can make that up. You can, you can do these last five miles. You can do it in 10 minutes. Just speed up a little bit. But sometimes, you know, uh, one of the things they tell people who are trying to work on that patient is drive behind a slow vehicle and don't get impatient. Just drive behind them. Teach yourself to be patient. Some of y'all have a fear. Y'all drive behind them. <laughs> y'all get mad because somebody even in the slow lane, they, they, they authorized to drive slow, and now you're mad at the person, and they're in the slow lane. <laughs> you know you need some help. Amen. And I know I ain't the only one that do that sometimes. You know, I'm in the slow lane and look like this person going too slow for the slow lane. But then I have to tell myself, hey, you just need to slow down or you just get another lane. They got a right to go slow in this lane. <laughs> so again, now he says, now, we want to live in the light. He says, now look at this, verse 13. For another hand, okay, Rob. Hey, hey Pastor, so you know, and thank you, uh, this is a good word for me, right? Because, um, you know, when you first ask, how do you know what your maturity is? You know, easy for me, right? Because uh, when I used to read the Bible when I was young in the faith, I didn't have a good understanding. And now I have a deep understanding of what I'm reading. But you just mentioned something that, you know, I was raised in a household where you know, curse words weren't, you know, that, you know that's not authorized in, in Marvin's house and, and stuff like that. And what happens and how do you evaluate when all of a sudden you got these other attributes of growth, right? 
but all of a sudden, something that never was in your vernacular has penetrated your vernacular. And, and the reason I say that is because in, in a, an environment where I work, it is not, it is not uncommon for, you know, like with my team, you know, they know, hey, listen, don't, don't, don't come in here and, you know, that, that's not suitable, right? Because they, they know I'm a man of faith. But that doesn't mean because I'm a man of faith, they haven't heard a vernacular come out my mouth, right, that was unbecoming, right, in a situation. And so how do you deal? I mean, you gave me a couple of good ideas because I can tell you, there are times when people walk in my office, shut my door, and there's a barrage of uh, colorful language going on in there, right? Because there's a situation that happens, and you, know, you got you got emotions flying, you got you got you got, you got a lot of money at stake, and things that have to be done, and something's not done. And how can I address that situation? Because I'm telling you, that was something I never struggled with. But I'm telling you, nowadays, you know, and it's only when there's a uh, you know, uh, a, 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 I'll call it a special circumstance, <laughs> right? When those things come on you, that, that colorful language, right, oozes out. I'm just saying. And, and, I'm just trying to be real, Pastor. I mean, I, I mean and, you, you, and, you, you and got some right. colorful language, it oozes out. And what you got to do is, 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 is be aware of that if you're trying to stop that colorful language from coming out. Yeah. So now you, you make a commitment to God, make a vow, vow something. God, every time I use one of these words, I'm going to do something. You see what I'm saying? Or let the people you deal with hold you accountable. Because one, if they can hold you accountable, then that'll give you an opportunity to witness to them later. But if they don't see that and know that in you, then now when you get to that point that you want to go back to them and try to play, you know, I love Jesus card, they're going to come back and say, wait a minute. I was in the office with you the other day when that $500,000 contract fell through, yeah. and you didn't look like you knew Jesus then. <laughs> you, you weren't calling on Jesus. You were calling on everybody else, but you, you, you were telling us what we better do and how we better do it. And, and so it's a conscious interrupt that we just got to have with ourselves after we make a commitment, after we start telling ourselves. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing. Mm -hmm. So you got to tell yourself, hey, I'm going to stop. Like right there in my Bible. That made me aware of it, but then now, you know, Hey, when that guy corrected me in that office that day, that was it. And I was doing something else. I, was, I got Google now at home, or Google, listen to Google. And so I was listening to Google, and the Spirit revealed it, because I was saying, okay, I was doing a moment, say, okay, play Google, play OJs. And they played a song by the OJ called Prayer, The Prayer. And when they played that song, them boys sung the scriptures all the way through that song. And I'm saying, man, that's a powerful song. And I'm saying, I heard that song probably 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and my spirit didn't even pick it up. Went right over my head. <laughs> they talking about, you know, this, doing that, and, and the Lord going to be there and guide you. And I'm saying, 35, 40 years ago, I would say, man, y'all need to... Get, let's get back to the love of money. We don't want to do the praying and anything. But now, when I heard that, it stopped me in the kitchen. And I'm watching them say, man, that's the OJs? Yeah. Yeah. On the family? Amen. <laughs> I mean, I said. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, and I, I, I had the family reunion for sure. 
So what I'm trying to tell you is it's about our mind being mindful and thinking of the things that, that God will have us doing. And think before we act and think before we say things. That's why the Bible tells us to, you know, we, we got to watch our tongue, guard our tongue. And, you know, think twice as, you know, you know, as long less, think twice as much as you speak. Right. You know, and, and so therefore, he says this. He said, now look, he says in verse 13, he says, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. See, we don't know that we've been rescued already. And transformed us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And that's what people need to know. Hey, you don't have to keep living in darkness. You've been all, it's already done. All you got to do is acknowledge what God has already done for you. Amen. And then if you do that, you realize that, hey, I've been purchased, so therefore now the good news is my sins have been forgiven. No matter what I did before Jesus, man, no matter how bad I was, hey, when he died, I was forgiven. Amen. And so a lot of times people never buy into the fact they've already been forgiven because a lot of times the church presented as you still got to work on something to be forgiven. And so therefore now I make it look like I got this mountain every time I think I'm moving up. The church come back and tell me, you got to work on this to be forgiven. No, Jesus already died. I just got to work on that to grow. Right. I'm already forgiven. And <laughs> you know, my, my, my salvation and going to heaven ain't about my works. I'm working because I'm saved. I'm working to be better because I'm saved. But the thief on the cross, goddamn, he ain't do nothing but believe. <laughs> you know what I mean? So therefore, that's what we got to tell people that look. If you want to change, the Lord will work with you and bring about a change. Because we're all capable of changing. Amen? And so now, from verse 15 through 23, uh, he, did I not read 14? I said, purchased our, our freedom and forgave our sins. That was 14, New Living. Now, 15, now he starts to focus in on, on my main thoughts for the night. Christ being supreme. And I'm going to kind of read this and try to talk to this. Because now you're going to have to be willing to accept what he's saying here now in your spirit. Because your natural mind may not receive all this. Because you say some things that we can't phantom and we can't put our minds around it. And so therefore when we can't put our minds around things, the world got us thinking, well, you can't trust it. Well, that's where faith come in at. You, and you already have the faith to believe things you have not seen already. I'm just trying to tell you believe his story. You know, and, and so, and so what, what we got here, he says, now look, in verse 15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. The only reason we know what God is like is because of Jesus. That's right. And if you want to know how God operates, go and read and study what Jesus did. Right. Because he became God visible to us because we know that we could never see an invisible God. And so therefore, we're creatures that when we can see things, some people say, if I can see it, I can believe it. Well, I'm telling you, you don't see God, but you still got to believe it. Amen. And so what Jesus did, he became God, the visible God, so that we can have some understanding of who God was. Look at this. He existed, he, he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Amen. There ain't nothing higher than Jesus. Amen. He says, for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realm. And everybody acknowledged that is a realm above this earth. And on earth, he made the things we can see and the things we can't. You know, there's some things that you can't even see, but you believe in them already. You know, 
As I speak, sound waves are running all through this room. And you don't see not one of them. But you still believe in sound. Because somebody told you that was sound that you hear. You didn't, wasn't born knowing that. You developed faith to believe that. So now anytime you hear noise, that's sound. So I'm just trying to tell you that, hey, if you hear that sound, Jesus created it. Because nothing that you see or don't see existed without him. He says now, he says, he made the things we can see and the things we can't. Such things as the throne, talking about the earthly powers, kingdom, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. There's a seen world, there's an unseen world, there's a spiritual world, there's a natural world. And even people who don't come to church and believe in Jesus believe in spirits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, I mean, they do. I mean, you, we Christians don't like to talk about spirit, but all these other religions, if you go and deal with Wiccans, they believe in spirit. Amen. I mean, if, if you deal with people who deal with charms, they believe in So they believe in some spiritual power, some spiritual force out there. There's some energy. They, the young people are like, there's some energy out there. Okay. Well, you call it energy. I just said the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the energy that I want to talk about. I don't know this energy. You talk about this black force out there and this energy field out there. Okay, yeah, it may be. But what I know is Jesus, and he was here before everything was created. And see, what, what, when you start dealing with stuff like this, this is why it's important for us to study God's word and get a deeper understanding when we get into language like this because this is where the world try to use this against us. Say, well, you know, signs don't say that. Okay, I ain't got no problem with signs not saying it. I done took astrology class and all that, and so I know they talk about black holes and, you know, and, and nebulas out there and all that. But even in the midst of that, I told the dude, I still <laughs> believe in Jesus. And he told me, now I know we're going to disagree on most about 90% of what I say. But don't argue with me in front of the class. Just let me, let me teach my lesson and go and get your grade and get out of here because you ain't got no desire to be an astrologist or practice astronomy. You're right. I just need an elective to get out of this school. So I, that's the only reason I'm sitting in your class right now. But I'm letting you know I don't agree with half of this stuff you say. Now I'm not saying that don't exist. I just couldn't wrap my mind around it and Jesus at the same time. Because in this, it tells me that, hey, look, because of Jesus, man, and he existed before all things, and the point he was trying to make here, because again, I told you earlier, there were some people that was believing in angels. And in in fact, that angels had more power. And we believe in angelic beings, but we don't believe that angels have more power than Jesus. And so, so there were some things that were being taught that went contrary to what they had been taught. He says, now, he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is what we consider ourselves the universal church, which is his body. That's why the believers are considered to be a part of the body of Christ. He is the head, we are part of the body. Many members, we do different things, different functions, but we all come under one head. Jesus Christ is the head of the Christian church. Not Pastor Bolden, not any other personality. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Amen. 
And if the head of the church is never identified in the church that you go to, the chances are he may not be the head of that church, even though they call themselves a Christian church. You can't go to church and never hear anybody talk to you about Jesus. Just can't. Because he is the head of the body. And so therefore, because he is the head of the body, look at this. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. In other words, you know, he, because he rose with an incorruptible body. Okay? So he's supreme. So he is first in everything. That's why, you know, he would tell his disciples, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Sometimes we think that when we seek God's way of doing things, that it's going to put us at a disadvantage. But he's saying, if you seek my way of doing things, then I'll make sure that your needs be met. And, and that's why we have to have the faith to trust him when we're looking at things in the natural and we're trying to receive things in our spirit so that we will have the wisdom to trust this word even when everything in our natural mind say that don't, that don't make no sense. We got we to gotta trust this word. We got to trust God and got to trust that Christ is the fullness of all things. Look at this. He says in verse 19, for, he, for in God, for God in his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled, we just preached about this a couple weeks ago, reconciled everything to himself. And he made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So therefore, because Jesus died on the cross, if y'all got this, all of you have a ministry of reconciliation. You can tell someone how Jesus reconciled you back to God. Because all it's saying is that before Jesus, God and you was enemies. Y'all weren't friends. But now that Jesus has come on the scene, God is now at peace with you, not because of anything you did, but because of everything that he did. Amen. And so therefore, we can tell people, we're not fighting against God anymore. I'm on his team. Yes, I'm still working on some things he's trying to get out of my life, but I'm on his team now. He know I'm in for the long haul. He know the end game. And so therefore, he need to know the same thing about you. If you're in it for the long haul and you know that this is your end game to, to serve him, then you just got to keep growing. Don't get to a point in your life where you stop trying to grow to know more about God and to know more about Jesus Christ. Because the more you know about him, the better you're going to be. He says... This includes, verse 21, this includes you who were once far away from God. Now, here he was talking specifically about the Gentiles, who at one time didn't have access to God, but the Jews did. And so when Jesus died on the cross, rent the veil of the temple, now we all have access to God. I use this scripture to tell people, if you know this, you don't need to call me when you need a prayer. You can call me, but that's okay, and I'll pray for you. But you got access on your own now. You don't have to come see me on Friday evening and confess to me. Tell me all your problems. You can tell him on Thursday. Your problem may not be able to wait till Friday. I'm just telling you. But if you don't know that, then now you'll think that, man, I can't get a prayer through because, hey, I'm not right with God. No, you're right with God. You can pray on your own. And I'm not knocking what other religions do. They feel that that's how they got to work. I ain't got no problem with that. But don't put that yoke on me. I got access now. I was far away, and now he done brought me near. He says, 
This includes you, you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Now see right there, I ain't got time to go through it. Y'all want y'all to take this for homework right here. Just think about your evil. Because <laughs> some of y'all are down line, nobody in the house tonight. But some of y'all are down line, still dealing with some evil. Your thought life all jacked up. And so he's saying, Jesus already died, so you don't have to be held captive by your thought life. He says, now look here, by your evil thoughts. And you know when you think about it long enough, Major, you're going to act on it. A lot of things people do, it don't just happen when you see it. They've probably been thinking about it. That's why it's important for us to get our thinking right, because if we get our thinking right, then there's a good possibility our actions will line up with what we are. Spend some time thinking. And that's why a lot of major religions do really believe in this getting inside your own head, meditate, sitting down and doing some deep thought, deep thinking. Now, I'm not telling you you need to go out there and practice yoga, but if you want to, I ain't got no problem with that. But you need to be thinking on the scriptures Amen. and meditating on God's word. The Bible says you meditate on it day and night. If you do that, then it will lead you in a way that you won't stumble or fall. But you got to get it in your heart. You got to get it in your mind. And you got to meditate it on it because you want to make sure that now that you are saved and you're in the 11th grade, some of your evil thoughts and actions ought to be gone. If you still got the same evil thoughts that you had when you was in the first grade, second grade, third grade, and now you're 11th grader, then it's a good possibility you're not growing. Your growth has been stunted. And things can come in our life that hinder us from growing. That's why the Bible says we got to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily beset us. There's things that come in your life just to hold you back. You're trying to run for the Lord and somebody drop this weight on your back to slow you down. When he tell you you got to take all things off, just like a marathon runner, they, 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 they have gone very little when they're running for them 26 miles. He says, now look. He says, you've been reconciled. Let me read verse 23 again. 22, he says, he says, and you, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You don't need Pastor Bolden. You can get in his presence. And you are holy, I know we don't like that word, and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Good God Almighty. Because of Jesus, Major, all that stuff that we did before Jesus, we can now stand before him without a Everybody else going to remember your fault. That's right. But you got to know that, hey, God say, I don't have a fault, so therefore I'm not going to let you keep me in bondage and what you know I used to be because you need to come in contact with the one that's walking in the light now. Amen. And so he said, now look, if you still think you loaded down with fault and you're carrying all that guilt, then it's going to be hard for you to believe that God can help you, God can change you because you're going to hear people tell you, you just too this or you just too that for the Lord to work in your life. You ain't too bad. That's right. You ain't too bad. If you were too bad, Jesus couldn't have covered it all. 
So whatever you done did, somebody in the Bible done did it. Ain't nothing new under the sun. A different method, but the same old sin. Call it by a different name, but it's the same old sin. You know, you can dress it up and call it premarital sex, whatever you want to, but still fornication. I mean, I'm just telling you, just, just, we can dress it up. Get to know you. Okay. Same old. And see, what is happening, the world is changing the names of different things, but what they're doing is still the Okay, let me read let me read on so I can get through with this. He says, verse 23, he says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift, somebody said drift away. Drift away. When you stop growing, guess what's gonna happen? Drift You're gonna away. drift away. So he says, don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Then now we go to our closing part here in verse 24 to 29. He says, talking about, you know, Paul's work and what he did. He says, now look, I am glad, and this is a part of the Bible that we Christians today really don't have to go through here in America that much, but, you know, in some kind of way, we're going to suffer some things. He says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. For I am participating in the suffering of Christ that continues in his body, the church. So therefore, the church is going to go through some things because Jesus went through some things. Yes, and if he said that if you suffer with me, then you will reign with me. But a lot of times, that's what I was telling you earlier. Don't tell people that when they get saved, they ain't going to have to go through nothing. You're going to get saved, and if you and your wife was cutting the food before you got saved, she's going to still probably divorce you if her heart ain't changed. Your heart didn't change, and then when that happened, you're going to say, well, the church told me just because I ain't. No, no, no. Y'all was cutting the food before Jesus, and you still got a fool. I, I just have to kind of make it plain because I want y'all to understand because people think that, hey, man, because I got saved, my life is going to change automatically overnight. And sometimes churches give people that impression, yes, and sir. then when they hit rough spot, just because you saved and you study and all that, you ain't going to always get promoted before everybody else. <laughs> I studied hard, and I was going to church, and I, I got slowed down. I made more rank when I was quicker when I was going to church than when I started going to church. I made master sergeant in, in 11 years, man. I wasn't even hardly going to church. But I was studying, I was hanging around people, and I was an instructor. Then after I make master sergeant, get saved for the Lord, thinking, hey, man, I'm going to be a senior in 14, and I'm going to be a chief in 18 years. Man, I had it all mapped out. I ain't see senior until I got to 18. Now I'm mad. <laughs> Lord, I go to church. <laughs> you know, I've I been in the church. Because I thought that just because I changed my life that I was going to automatically start taking tests better. And the Lord was just going to bless me to pass some tests like that. Now, I had to learn what was expected of a senior master sergeant and a chief master sergeant and stop thinking like a master sergeant. And when I learned those things and applied them, then I found out that 
I didn't get no smart on the test. The people that had to write my stuff started writing it better. Brother Heard? Testing one, two, three. Uh, about the suffering, and uh, you're right, that uh, uh, they're still in this world. And sometimes uh, what, what gave to me to understand there's different type of suffering that you will walk through this world. Amen. Uh, one of the things I would say, uh, suffering, uh, you, have, you might have, might go through a divine suffering, and you got no control of that. That's almost you know, an example of Job. Job didn't have no control of what was going on, but he was in this divine suffering between God and, 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 and Satan. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you might go through that, and there's nothing in control of that. You got to recognize that. Amen. Also, you might be suffering because of your own sin. That's true. You might be doing something that you didn't do or didn't get away, that <laughs> you didn't lose it, then you probably will go through suffering. And that sometimes you got to go on this world. You probably like suffer through evil people. Amen. People going to come at you. And an example like Major was saying, that somebody going to come and take away your child. That's an evil person mm -hmm. that took away your child. So you're going to suffer through that. Amen. So you got to learn how to go through that. Amen. Uh, then, you know, understand about another way of suffering is to a point where, um, you know, we got this, the earth, you know, we got hurricanes, we got tornadoes, natural things, it's still crying, but you might go through suffering through that. Amen. So one of the things that I, that I learned from that, you got to understand what type of suffering that you go through, then you know how to go through and you know the who you can go through to help you go through the suffering because once again, God is going to be there for you. Amen. I mean, he didn't come for the aid of, uh, of Job, if you understand. But he knew that he was there. Amen. And so that's the thing that, uh, that can help someone. A new believer comes in and what you just got through saying, you will suffer. And you also, you know what Paul's going through, persecution. Amen. So what you stand for. Amen. So you will go through that at that point. So I'm just saying that if you understand the type of suffering that you go through, then you will know how to endure and, and have patience to go through because you know who, who's with you. Amen. 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 Good point. Excellent point. Excellent point. So now look at this. He says, he's talking about what God has assigned him now. He says, verse 25, he says, God has given me the responsibility about that stewardship. He said, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming the entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. Verse 27, for God wanted them to know that the riches, of, the, the riches and glory of Christ are now for you Gentiles, up until that point, the Jews thought that they were the only one that God was concerned about. Now he's saying that mystery has been revealed now. He says, and this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. Even though you weren't born a Jew, you're still entitled to the same inheritance that God promised Abraham, all because of Jesus. He then, verse 28 and 29, he says, so we tell others about Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. 
not just preaching and teaching it, but sharing our testimony, sharing with others about the things that we know about Christ. As we know more and more and as we grow more and more, the intent is for us to share with others what we know, not to keep it to ourselves. He's entrusted this gospel in us not to just lock it up and put it in our safe deposit box of our heart, but he wants our heart to be open to share this gospel with those that we come in contact with. Amen. He says, now look, and, and real quick, he says, so we tell others about Christ, warning. Somebody say warning. warning. Yeah, real quick, somebody, what is a warning? What, what you do when you warn people? He said, you know, sometimes warning, just think about that. Most of the time when I think of somebody giving me a warning, it ain't always in a nice, soft, sweet voice. They normally telling me do's and don'ts, don't you know? And you know, we don't like warning. We don't like when God tells us to go and share with somebody a warning. You know, kind of like grandmom and granddad, you're like, boy, if you don't straighten up, you're going to end up just like your uncle. You're going to be locked up. A warning. Well, grandmom, I don't want to hear that. Three years later, him and aunt right there. Because they didn't listen to them. God always want to warn us, man. He don't want us to walk into something blindly, man. He want to warn us. He want to prepare us. And so, therefore, we got to warn everyone. And he said, and teaching everyone with all wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect. That's perfect. That just means mature in their relationship with Christ. In other words, that's why we have Bible study. That's why I'm standing up here. Because if we're going to come to presentation, I don't want you to be presented to Christ as a babe when you've been saved for 20 years. Want, want to see some growth. Want to see some maturity on your part. We're all going to grow at different rates at different levels to different levels. But at the same time, our standard is Jesus. We're always shooting at him. He is the one that we're trying to rise up to his stature not the statue of our friend or anybody else. Let Jesus be your standard that you measure yourself by. Because if you measure yourself by people that's, you know, below you, you'll think you're all that. Then if you measure yourself by people who are above you, you'll get discouraged. That's right. So what you need to do is just measure yourself up to Jesus. Let him be the standard. Amen. He said, now look. He says, we want to present you to God perfect and in, in their relationship with Christ. Now look at this, last verse. That's why I work and struggle so hard. Man, this gospel ain't easy. Being a preacher, pastor, struggle so hard. Major, so hard. He could have just said struggle hard. When he modified, so When you're trying to deal with sheep, so hard. Because they just wander all over the place. It's so hard. So hard. But I got to believe that he's going to give me the grace to deal with it Amen. if he called me to do this. Amen. So I can't wake up in the morning, oh, man, I got to go. No. God, I walk in your grace and favor. You know every sheep that's in the house. So even though it can be challenging sometimes, we don't get discouraged. That's right. And that's the same thing with you. Just Don't even just think about church. Just think about how hard we struggle with our kids sometimes. Some of y'all parents got a testimony. 
That boy called me the struggle. So hard. And so what I'm trying to tell you, when you want to see better for someone and you're not seeing that, it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. And so he says, I work and struggle so hard, but this is how we get through it, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Can't make it by yourself. Can't do it apart from the Holy Spirit. It, you can't walk successful apart from the Spirit of God. And that's why, you know, I encourage everybody to learn more about the Holy Spirit and how he operates. And, and, and I guarantee you, you'll be blessed. And we got lessons that we teach here that will help you with that thing because it is important to know how God's Spirit works in the earth just like we know how other spirits work in the earth. Amen? All right, with that said, then we're going to close out now. Got some announcements, then we're going to let you get out of here.